0: Good morning, there. This is Mike, and you are listening to Driving Theology. Uh, if anyone's listening, indeed at all, which is okay, because one of the reasons I do this is to just uh, have a library of thoughts that I can listen to and see what I sound like when I try to articulate what's in my what's in my brain. Uh, so. Much as I love it when people listen, uh, you're not the only reason I do this. Uh, But if you get something out of it, that's a huge bonus to me. Uh, Yeah, so this is uh, Wednesday morning. You know what? I can't even remember what day it is. It's something like April 17th, maybe. Actually, yeah, it may be April 17th, and uh, I am on my way to work as usual. It is a cool and rainy Wednesday morning. Um, Springtime here in Japan. Uh, And yeah, we're having a nice, nice little rain here. Well, uh, I know I've talked about it a lot, but it's, it's a, a subject that keeps coming back to me, and it's something I really want to continue to explore, and, and who knows, maybe one day it might work itself into uh, uh, some kind of written form. Uh, but I want to explore uh, the idea of worship again, uh, seem to butt heads with uh, different people who are in more uh, varying degrees or less in the institutional church, and most of whom are are, uh, in a uh, full-time or minister position of some kind. I'm continually, uh, I don't know if I'd say offending, but, uh, surprising people with my, with my thoughts on worship. And so I want to put it as succinctly as possible here and, and maybe continue to explore it. And I'll, I'll tell you why I think it's so important, uh, to talk about it. And that is because I feel like the, the, Worship is defined today is dangerous to uh, who we are as the people of God. In other words, if we continue to define it in such a narrow way, and it's not just the words, right? It's the actions that follow. It's the actions I'm concerned about. If we continue to define worship uh, in such a narrow way, I feel like the actions true actions uh, or true behaviors that uh, would follow from true worship may never materialize uh, in certain people. So I'm going to try to lay out my thoughts on worship again and I really need somebody to help me pick this apart Um, because I'm afraid it's overly simplistic. something that makes sense to me and feel like I can impose it on everyone else I' want to be sure uh, that what I'm saying is in line with uh, lowercase Orthodox theology um, uh, sound theology which is of course a I'm sure a big big bag of uh, big bag of tricks to figure out what that might be. Um, but yeah. Uh, so here it is. Worship, the word that's primarily used as worship in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word shakha, which refers to the physical bowing down in front of someone who you deem superior to yourself. Uh, in other words, uh submitting yourself to an authority. So, you know, we have, uh, there are lots of movies and TV shows where uh, somebody will go before the king and what the person will do is bow low and sometimes even kiss the hand as they're bowing low of the king. And technically, this is what shahā means, to bow down and to uh, prostrate yourself. Sorry for the pause. I often say that wrong. Prostrate yourself before a, a a figure of authority, right? This is this is where we get the word worship. Now, it's not the only word for worship, and maybe next week I'll uh, expand on the other one, do some studying, and get back to you on that. But uh, shachah uh, refers to this. Now, what's happening when someone? goes before, let's just say a king just for simplicity's sake, goes before a king and bows down before them. Uh, In real time, what's happening, I believe, is a simple gesture, a simple gesture. And the gesture says that I uh, am submitting myself to your authority, not just in this room. Where I happen to be bowing before you, uh, but that's the way I'm gonna live my life. I I am pledging allegiance to you. Uh, your wish is my command, not just here in this room, not just as a show or a gesture, uh, but as a reality, the reality and the way my life will go on from here. And so now if a, if a, if a person were to to bow down to worship, or shaha a king, but then go out from the king's presence and ignore the king's wishes and just do what he deems right or necessary uh, without any regard to the will of the king, then that worship in the beginning was empty, right? The bowing down, the gesture of submission was empty, it was fallacious, it was a lie. Uh, and so the true worship is not the gesture of worship, but the actual submission of one's life to another. And this is a change of lifestyle. Uh, I don't even I like the word lifestyle, let's just say life. It's, it's, it's a different way in which you live your life, right? Uh, If you have some kind of sovereignty over your life, uh, then you do what you want, when you want, and how you want, Uh, but when you submit to the authority, when you worship another, that gesture of worship uh, says that you are going to now realign your life under the will uh, of the person whom you have worshipped whom you have chosen to worship. And so true worship is the submitting of your life uh, to a king, for example. So when we, right, uh, look at the Old Testament, what we see are acts or gestures of worship, but the failing to follow through with the life part, right? We see a lot of uh, sacrifices and and uh, observing of holy days, uh, <clears throat> giving of uh, tit, you know, tithing, giving giving of alms or whatever. Uh, we see a lot of that, uh, but we don't see the people following through on a day-to-day basis. Uh, as submitting to the will of God. And often, the way that is measured is by how the weakest of the society are treated. Right? And usually that's uh, articulated as widows and orphans. Okay? How are the widows and orphans, and and often actually foreigners, how are are we treating the widows and the orphans and foreigners? And if we're doing that well, then the the worship that you have been doing has followed through into your life because you are uh, taking care of the the least among you, the weakest among you, the most vulnerable. Uh, which is really interesting, right? So, if if the people were following through, were taking through, taking care of the widows and orphans and the foreigners and all of the vulnerable people, vulnerable people of. Uh, the the lands of Israel and the various tribes of Israel, then uh, the worship that they were doing, the gestures of worship that they were doing, for example, in the temple, were accepted. But more often than not, uh, far more often than not, the people failed at this. They failed at following through with their life what they said by their worship, right? and so their 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 worship was fallacious it was nothing it wasn't true uh, it was just for show it was uh, jesus explains it as as a uh, whitewashed tombs and cups that are dirty on the inside but clean on the outside right uh, th- this is this is the problem with not practicing what you preach right uh, also known as hypocrisy <laughs> right so This is the problem I have with defining worship as music that happens during a gathering. In what way is singing uh, a song in a gathering uh, of Christians worship? How can we say that's worship? Okay. Now, in the gesture sense in the in the gesture sense it might qualify as worship if you can determine that god has commanded you to be in that place and to perform that that song or that action right if if you can determine that that's what god has has, uh, ordered, then I I suppose you might make a case that at least in a gesture sense that that is worship. Okay. Because you are, you are submitting to the will, uh, of God because he ordered you, uh, to be at that place and perform that action. but, but even in this case, all right. Even if the king should should call you before him, and you uh, you obey, you go before him and you bow down low, which is uh, in a sense a two-fold, twofold act of worship. If your life does not follow, does not gel with what you're saying with those gestures. Of obedience and worship, uh, then what you did is not worship. It's not true worship. It's it has no, it has no depth. It has no backing. It's it's just for show. It's uh, superfluous and superficial, right? Um, and as as people who have the Holy Spirit in us, who do supposedly now worship in spirit and in truth, we should have a much deeper understanding of what worship is. We shouldn't be happy to worship as the people of Israel did. Uh, because if we do, uh, we are in danger of, of uh, reaping what they sowed, right? We're in danger of of following the same patterns that they did, and I think I think that's true. I think that's happening. Uh, I think we see that the consequences of hypocrisy of, of living a uh, hypocritical life as a Christian. Uh, I think we're seeing the the fruits of that, uh, the rotten fruits, if you will, um, and we're not seeing the fruits of the spirit. Uh, so, and I mean as a, as, as a whole, right? As a whole, I think we're, we're seeing some real rottenness uh, coming forth from the so-called people of God. And so when I hear, uh, wow, the worship was just great this morning, or are you going to worship tomorrow? Uh, or what did you think of the worship service? You know, there was a time when I I just accepted that language and rolled with it, you know. I I didn't question it uh, because I was programmed uh, that the meaning was different from the the true meaning that I find all throughout Scripture. Um, But to call that worship to us who have you know, the Holy Spirit living within, uh, I think is, is dangerous. Now, do I mean to say that all, all leaders, uh, all church leaders everywhere have this superficial, uh, idea of worship? I would say no. I would say most leaders understand that their lifestyle needs to, uh, Coincide with this gesture of worship, right? This uh, this um, show of allegiance, right? That if your lifestyle doesn't, uh, and I think if you asked most people, they might even say, "Well, yeah, I guess, you know, yeah, we should we should be doing good things throughout the week uh, and living under the will of God, not just." Um, <clears throat> Not just going to uh, a meeting, right, and singing songs or listening to a sermon. The problem is that I think the language we use for what we do enables this very thing to happen in practice. I think by by calling music worship that happens uh, in a church meeting. Church is another word I hate to use in this context, but. Let's just say, in a meeting of Christians, uh, or calling the meeting of Christians itself worship service, uh, which is found nowhere uh, in the Bible, uh, I think enables enables weaker and less experienced Christians to fall into this uh, split life, this life of worshiping uh on sundays and living the rest of the week for ourselves and doing what we want okay i think i think the language used for weaker people can confuse and even inhibit the understanding of what true worship is okay I mean, if I, you know, if I have a, a, a young child that's just born, and we have a pet in the house, and that pet's a dog, but I tell this young child that, well, no, that's our cat, uh, and they learn that that's a cat, that's a cat, that's a cat, even though it's actually a dog. Uh, to them, every time, from then on out, because it happens so young, when they see the dog, they're gonna think that's called a cat, right? It's just it's just programming, it's conditioning. So if every time we use the word worship over and over with young Christians and young people uh, and and weaker Christians, no matter how long uh, they've been in the assembly, uh, we are letting them know that the word worship means music. That's how we use it the most, right? We're conditioning them to, to do this. And so when people say, "Wow, I just love the worship this morning," you know. Wasn't that uh, guitar player on point? And wasn't that a great choice of song? And, and my heart just jumped within me because it was so beautiful and I was very moved. Okay, that's music that happened in a building and you know, whatever. But wow, if that's your main idea of what worship is, you are missing out. You are deceived. Uh, you're cheated it that way because true worship uh, as instituted by Jesus and possibly uh, mentioned the earliest in John chapter 4 when Jesus talks to the woman at the well talked about doesn't matter where you will worship but you must worship in spirit and truth or you will be able to or you will worship in spirit and truth the truth part is pretty important, right? To me the truth part uh, is talking about how it's not going to be about what you do during the holy days uh, in the Temple of Jerusalem or on the mountain there in Samaria. Uh, It's going to be about your life being consecutive and continuous acts of worship, right? It's going to be about you and what you do all the time, everywhere, right? That's true worship. And it will reflect, again, it's going to be reflected. I mean, in other words, we will know that you are a true worshiper by the way that you treat the most vulnerable in your society. Uh, it's easy. It's it's wow! What a, what a easy test. You know, you want to know if a church is worshiping in spirit and in truth? Find out how all of the people in that church are treating the most vulnerable, and you'll know. That's it. Very simple. If you want to know how how you're worshiping, and I mean again, the true worship, not just a gesture worship. Then, then ask yourself and, and test yourself and uh, measure how you treat the most vulnerable in your context. How's that working out, right? Uh, are they blessed or are they cursed by your presence? Uh, and, and I think... If you'll start looking at worship this way, I think it's going to transform the world around you, right? If you can get to that point, I think what you see is Jesus now walking with you and among you and ahead of you, and behind you. And you see the, the kingdom of God and the, the healing of the world start pouring out from you. And again, not by your power, but because you have truly submitted your life to the will of Christ. And none of us does this perfectly. None of us. And we don't have to. We don't have to do it perfectly. And you know what? If if your concept of worship is music that happens uh, at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning you're still a forgiven precious wonderful child of God but what you're not going to see is the transformation of the world around you and the world inside of you you're not going to see that you are transformed how are you treating the most vulnerable How are you treating the most vulnerable in your context? And even right now as I say this, I'm realizing that I'm failing in this, right? I know that there's more that I can do, that I am not a fully transformed child of God either. But without the transformation, the kingdom of God will not progress. If you are the same person now as you were when you decided to put your faith in Jesus, uh, then I, I would surmise that this is, I'm not going to say this is the main, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to say this is the main reason, uh, or at least the main symptom. If you're not being transformed uh, by Jesus to the point where you have a heart for the most vulnerable people uh, that you come in contact with, uh, what do you do about it? Well, off the top of my head, I might just have a few suggestions. You need to know Jesus better. You need to know who He is, who He loves. and the best way to do that is to uh, submit your time, some of your time to reading the gospels over and over, and hopefully with a group of like-minded people. Uh, I know I keep coming back to this, but man, i it keeps coming back to me. The fundamental importance of immersing your life in Jesus uh, is the single best way. Is the only is the only way that transformation is going to happen in your life. Any kind of transformation that's positive, I think you could trans be transformed into a worse person. Uh, I think cynicism and fear uh, and anger and jealousy uh, and selfishness. Uh, I think, can enter your life in, in more and more harmful ways. Um, but if you want to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ, you're going to have to submerge yourself in Christ. Uh, you're going to have to become familiar with Him in every way you can. And I think that, that starts, it's, it, the way it happens with me, uh, is reading more about Jesus, uh, reading, reading more of the Gospels uh, and and more of the Bible in light of the Gospels, okay, and through the lens of Jesus, through the lens of the way he's portrayed in the Gospels, uh, and through through prayer, of course, uh, through uh, seeking how you can help uh, the vulnerable people. I think these are different things that, you know, I think different people probably have different paths to, to discovering the transformation that Jesus wants to effect in our lives. But I think number one, you're going to need to have the desire to be transformed. You're going to have to be humble enough to say, Jesus, I'm not like you. I don't love who you love. Uh, I don't trust the Father like you do, um, but I want to. I desire to be like you. Um, I think that desire to be like Christ is important. and Unfortunately, a lot of us desire to be like the Bible. <laughs> we, we desire, to, we desire to, to follow the Bible better right, to obey the rules of the Bible, if you will. Um, This is problematic. The the desire to follow the Bible is not the same, in my experience, as the desire to follow Jesus. Because a lot of bad things happen in the Bible and a lot of missteps happen. Uh, And uh, there's a lot, especially in the Old Testament, that doesn't lead to life but leaves leads to greater guilt uh, which is why um, why it was done Paul says uh, you know the law was created to uh, to create I can't remember how he says it right now it's in Romans Um, the law was given to I think convict us of sin is how he says it Uh, but to to teach us that it's impossible to please God through obeying the law. One of the reasons the law was uh, given. And so immerse immerse yourself in Jesus first. Get to know Jesus. Uh, And I I still think the best way to do that is to immerse yourself uh, again with with some other people in prayer. and trying to open your mind to Jesus as he's portrayed in the gospels and not just Jesus as people say he is or was. Uh, It's not that there aren't people out there I think who understand Jesus well. I think there are. I think there are quite a few but I also think that there are some people who don't understand Jesus and, 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 uh, and have written books that are that missed the mark. Uh, let's just put it that way. Um, so yeah, I, I I hope that you'll find that there's a a reason to my uh, this allergy I have for describing worship as music uh, that happens at a certain time on a Sunday morning, um, and even calling. You Certain kinds of music, worship music. Uh, it, again, maybe I'm wrong, and and maybe I've missed something, and and perhaps I need to go back and and uh, be taught on this subject a bit more. Um, but I don't. I, I just don't think so. Don't think so. I. I think. think, I think worship means so much more. And when your, your life is not, uh, when you're not living a transformed life as evidenced by the way you treat the most vulnerable among you, uh, then you might just look at the way you think of the word worship as a, motivation to to go deeper with Jesus uh, and you know what I'm gonna leave it there it's gonna be a little shorter perhaps than what I usually do uh, not much but uh, but I think that's uh, I think that lays it out pretty well appreciate you guys and uh, have a wonderful day bye bye